Hey, thanks for joining us here at Life Church. Before we get into this week's message, I'd love to invite you, your friends, and your family to join us for one of our many services this Christmas at all of our Life Church locations. To find the location that's closest to you, plus a full list of service times, you can go to life.church/christmas. Now, let's join up with our senior pastor Craig Rochelle for this part of his message called Travel Life. Sorry about that. That video was shorter this week. Was that shorter? It was like distinctly shorter. Did you notice that? Everybody said he got distracted. Maybe. Maybe I'm just messing with you. Maybe today we're in a message series called Traveling Light, and last week we talked about giving up the stuff that holds us back. Maybe today we're going to talk about letting go of distractions. See what I did there? Didn't work, did it? Didn't work, did it? We were talking about letting go last week of the stuff that holds us back. Today, what I want to do is talk about letting go of the mental clutter. Uh, in fact, it's really, really hard often to focus. How many of you have noticed that? It's hard to focus. It's hard to focus sometimes on my message. Is that true? Do not raise your hand. Do not raise your hand about this point. It's easy to let your mind wander. Where are we going to eat later on? Why is that person acting funny over there? I don't really like this outfit that guy's wearing. It's so easy to let your mind wander. It's hard to focus. It's hard for me to focus when I'm looking at all of you. You have no idea how distracting you are when you're talking to people, when you're ever eating chips, when the baby's crying, when there's four people sleeping in the middle of my message. If you ever wonder why I get loud sometimes, trying to wake up the poor guy that had the night shift last night and he's sound asleep. It's a fight to focus. Somebody say it's a fight to focus. But it is absolutely and completely worth the fight. Today I want to talk about letting go of the distractions that can destroy you. I looked up the root word for distraction. It actually is derived from a Latin word that was formed in the 1590s. And this word means a pulling apart. It means a separating it means a drawing of the mind in different directions, a pulling apart. Do you realize that your spiritual enemy and every force of hell is trying to distract you from living for the things that matter most? Our enemy, every demonic force wants to pull apart, divide your mind, discourage your soul, disengage your faith, distract you from the things that matter most. In fact, I've often told my kids that the devil doesn't need to destroy you if he can distract you. If he can distract you, eventually he'll neutralize you or worse yet, you'll end up destroying yourself. Letting go of the distractions that destroy. I wanna set the tone for this message today with to me a very powerful story that shows the love of Jesus and his encouragement to stay focused on what matters most is found in Luke's gospel. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38, it's about two sisters um, hosting Jesus at what appears to be some sort of a dinner party. Verse 38 says this, as Jesus 
and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village uh, where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was what? Let's all say this aloud, all of our churches, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She was distracted. I don't blame her. If Jesus is in my house, my anxiety is high. I want everything to be just right. I can imagine she's like taking the casserole out. She's trying to get the cobbler in. She's trying to make sure that the candle is still burning there. You know, there's a, the toilet paper matches the shower curtain or whatever. I don't know what matters. To, that he still has refills on his tea. She's up into wanting to be a great host. I don't blame her one bit at all. She's distracted by all the preparations that needs to be made. Martha comes to Jesus and says, Lord, don't you care that my lazy, no good sister, <laughs> you all have one like that. Every family has one. If you say our family doesn't have that lazy person, every family has one, meaning it might be you. They never bring anything to the meal except for Tupperware, and they take everything home. This is Mary. She's just <laughs> sitting there at the Lord's feet enjoying while Martha is getting all the work done. Martha gets a bad rap. I want to thank God for people like Martha. It's because of people like Martha that you eat, right? That your bills are paid, that you got Christmas presents to unwrap. If it, Mary was running the world, you'd be, you'd be starving to death in a cold home with no heat and no Christmas presents. Martha sometimes gets a bad rap. She came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister Mary's letting me do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me out. Then in verse 41, we see a very unusual expression of love by Jesus. Watch how Jesus loves Martha in the very same way that some of you need to receive the love of Jesus. He says, Martha... Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things. And another version says, you're worried and distracted by so many things, but few things are needed. He could have said, but few things are important, but few things really, really matter most, or indeed only one. And then with love, Jesus looks at Martha and says, Mary has chosen what is better. It will not be taken away from her. Martha, Martha, you got a good heart. You got good intentions, but you're distracted. Everybody say distracted. My phone just dinged. I just got an email. Oh, there's another ad. And someone just posted a cat video. And oh, I've got to uh, check my social media feed to see if I got a comment on that picture I put up with the perfect hashtag and, the, and just the right filter. And oh my gosh, we got to do the Christmas shopping. And our kids have to be at soccer. And another kid has to be at dance. And somehow we got to get food into them. We better drive through a drive through or at least look for a French fry underneath the seat. Maybe we can feed them that. We got so many places to go, so many things to do. Oh, uh, there's another cat post. Oh, and there's another this. And oh, there's that. And what are they going to think? And do my shoes work? And do I fit? in? And am I going to be popular enough? Am, am I living the right way? And do I have enough stuff? Because if I had more stuff, I'd be happy. What are they going to think? Where am I going to go? She was distracted. Martha, Martha, you're distracted and upset about so many things, but only a few things really matter, really last, really are important. Mary has chosen what is better. What's so interesting to me is that Martha wasn't doing something bad or wrong. Do you see that? 
She wasn't doing something bad or wrong. She was doing something good, but she wasn't doing what was best. We have to recognize that so often the most difficult choices aren't between good and bad, but between good and best. If your enemy can't make you bad, he'll distract you away from using your life to the things that honor God and make an eternal difference. How do we, with the help of God, choose what's best? Every demonic force in hell wants to distract you from what matters and what lasts. How do we allow God to help us choose what's best? Let me give you three thoughts today, and we're gonna let scripture speak to us in a way that hopefully um, really moves your heart. The first thing I'm working on doing is I wanna diminish the distractions. I want to distance myself from that which would tempt me to be distracted. In fact, I love the directness of the Apostle Paul. He was actually talking about relationships and marriage, but I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 7, verse 35, perhaps in a slightly different context. He says this, he says, I'm giving you this advice, and I'm, I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. In other words, I'm not telling you this is the legalistic thing you have to do. He says, I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best. I don't want you just to accept average or mundane or normal, but I want you to do what helps you serve the Lord the best with as few of distractions as possible. Every force in hell wants to distract you from that which matters most. I want you focused on the things that you really have within you that help you serve God the best. What is one of the most common distractions today that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's certainly maybe not the best thing? I would argue as part of the Trinity, there is the Father, Son, and the mobile phone. <laughs> this little device, although it does so much good, is something that's been around for less than two decades, for literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years, mankind has managed to survive without it, and yet many of you get anxiety if you're this far away from it for more than five minutes. Don't touch that! That's my phone. In fact, the average person today cannot go 10 minutes without checking this device. 10 Minutes, if you wonder why, you're not as productive, excuse me for a second, you're not as productive as you'd like to be. If you wonder why your relationships are not as intimate as you know they could be. If you wonder why you're not as close to God as you'd like to be. Could it be that you cannot do anything meaningful when you're interrupted every 10 minutes to stare at a little device? Since you're so quiet, I think I'll stay here for a few minutes longer. <laughs> Let's talk social media. I enjoy social media. The average person spends more than two hours a day on social media. Two hours a day on social media. Two hours a day. If you are younger and you spend two hours a day, you will spend, are you ready for this? Over seven years of your life. Seven years! of your pathetic life. <laughs> scrolling, tapping, scrolling, tapping. Oh, somebody just commented a hard face emoji. <laughs> Seven years! Seven years! 
feeling left out, less than, and wondering why she doesn't comment on my photo ever. I always comment on hers. Seven years. Not bad. Not the best way to use your time. I try to tell myself this, that my life is too valuable, my calling too great, and my God too good to waste my life distracted by things that do not matter. I hope you feel it, I hope you internalize it. Listen to me, your life is too valuable. God created you. He gave you passions, he gave you gifts, he gave you callings. He put you at this time in history because in this time in history, you can best glorify him. He is too good for you to waste your life. Not a bad thing. Martha, Martha, you're so worried and upset about so many things, but only few things really matter. Whenever Apple came out with the uh, uh, little thing that tells you how much time you spend on this a week, dear God, I had to repent. Now, I literally looked at that and go, I'm spending that much time? And the amount of time I spend is like significantly way less than average. But just because I'm better than average doesn't mean it lives up to my standards of what I want to use my God-given days to do on this earth. So what am I trying to do? I'm trying to diminish the distractions. In other words, I want to leave this far away. If, it's gonna, if I can't handle it, I'm going to put it away so I can be connected and intimately involved with the people that are in front of me because they matter so much more than a photo on a screen. Diminish the distractions. Thank you. What I want to do is I want to treat whatever could distract me, I want to treat it like temptation to sin. So for me, I'm going to distance myself as far as I can from anything that's tempting. I like, I like what Solomon says about the immoral woman. He says this. He, he doesn't, let me tell you what he doesn't say. He doesn't say invite her out for a drink. Hey, let's just go get a little drink. Well, you know, let's, hey, let, let, let's, hey, let's just get in the backseat of my car. We're just going to play truth or dare and then pray a little bit together, sister. He doesn't say that, <laughs> does he? Here's what he says. He says, stay away from her. Everybody say, stay away. He says, don't go near the door of her house. Don't get close to that which could destroy you. I want to treat distractions the same way I te to treat temptation. I want to distance myself from anything that would distract me from that which matters most. I'm going to stay away from it. Some of you, it might be what I do with my phone. During study time, I give it to my assistant because I'm still too like, ding, <laughs> Is it a text I can't afford to miss? Even though I haven't had one in 17 years, I couldn't afford to, it could be the one, you know? So I leave it with my assistant and say, if it's family, come get me. If it's anything else, don't get me because I'm gonna distance myself from it. Some of you, you need to just get some, some little noise cancellation features because you work with some people who have the spiritual gift of loud. That's what they are. Silence that stuff out so you can focus. Some of you, you need to delete distracting apps. Social media, if it's an idol to you, if you can't go without checking it, maybe you don't want to spend seven years of your life doing that. For some of you, it might be Fortnite. You can still do the dance all you want, whatever it is, but you don't want to waste your life doing things. It, it might be that you, you, you turn off notifications, ding, ding, bing, bing, you know, email, email, ho, 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 I gotta go, oh, you know, all this kind of stuff. Some of you, it might be people. 
There might be people that are distracting you. And by all means, as followers of Christ, we want to love all people. We're going to befriend all people. But in our inner circle, those we spend the most time with, we want them to be people that are sharpening us, that we're leading each other to serve Jesus more effectively. Do not be deceived, Scripture says, that bad behavior, bad friends, corrupt good character. Walk with the wise and you become wise. The companion of fools suffers harms. If four out of five of your friends are fools, you're a fool too. You're a fool for being with them. You, you cannot live the right life when you always have the wrong friends. Some of you, you are dating a distraction. I just made a bunch of boyfriends mad right now. Listen to me. If he is distracting you from serving Jesus and leading you into sin and not treating you with respect and honor, press delete on that boyfriend. Let God upgrade him. Okay? Same goes for a girl. You got some girl that's like all into, up into stuff that's not pleasing to God. You, you don't, if there is anything that is consistently distracting, what I want to do is I want to distance myself from that which distracts me from God. It's a fight to focus. Somebody say it's a fight. It's worth the fight. I'm going to diminish the distractions. The second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to ask God to give me the power to focus on what's important. Focus on what's important. I love the words of Solomon in Proverbs 4. He says this. He says, set your gaze on the path before you. Then I love this phrase. He says, with fixed purpose. Somebody say fixed purpose. With fixed purpose, looking straight ahead, ignore life's distractions. I'm setting my gaze ahead. The author to the Hebrews said this, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. With fixed gaze, we look ahead. With fixed purpose, we walk a straight path. In fact, I learned this lesson years ago trying to slack rope. If you don't know what slack roping is, neither did I. If you know what a tight rope is, a tight rope is a tight rope. A slack rope is a rope that's not tight. It's, it's, it's got slack in it. And so I was in Colorado, and these guys were doing it. And I said, hey, can I do it? And they said, you can try, but no, you won't be able to do it. I said, you have no idea I've got spiritual ninja balance skills. Just give me a shot. They laughed, and they laughed harder when I tried. I got up on this thing, and there's, like a, there's a tree where the rope is, and it goes to this other tree, and it's like, and so I got up on the tree, I'm like, and I took one step, one step, and when I did, I was looking down, and sure enough, this rope went like this, and it kind of cocked like a pulling back a bow and arrow, and I was the arrow. Not only did gravity pull me down, but this thing propelled me at 720 miles an hour toward the ground, and when I hit the ground, there was this thud, I thought I cracked a rib, I couldn't breathe. They were saying, dude, are you all right? I'm like, fine, fine. Didn't, didn't hurt a bit. You know, and they're like, you did what everybody does. Everybody gets up there, and they look down. They look around. The only way you get across, they said, is to fix your eyes on a spot on the other side with fixed purpose. Peter learned this whenever Jesus walked up on water. They're in the middle of a boat. Peter looks out and he goes, yo, Jesus, is that you walking on water? Jesus, all holy like, goes, it is I. Peter's like, I want to come out there with you. Peter gets himself out of the boat. He's looking at Jesus and what does the bro do? Guys, walking on water. 
with fixed purpose, he sees Jesus. Step by step, his eyes are on Jesus. His eyes are focused on the prize. It's only when he looks away, looks at the wind, looks at the waves, that he starts to sink. Some of you are sinking. You always feel overwhelmed. You always feel behind. You always feel less than. You always believe there's something more. Why is it that you're sinking all the time? Could it be that you're looking at the wind and the waves? You're looking at them and you're looking at this and you're looking at that instead of living with fixed purpose with your eyes focused on Jesus. The only way that we can truly serve God is when we seek him first. What does scripture say? Matthew 6, 33. We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first, 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 first. That's why the first thing of the day is not Instagram. The first thing of the day is Jesus. Jesus, I align my heart with you. Jesus, would you give me the words to say today? Jesus, would your word transform my heart that I may please you? Seek first of the day we seek Jesus. First of the week, what do we do? We gather together in the house of God just like you are today. We gather together with other people. We worship God together. We hear God's word. We are aligning our week to seek God first. Anytime God blesses us with any kind of increase, what do we do? We put him first. We acknowledge that all comes from him. We worship him with the tithe. We put him first. First of the year, what do I do? I set aside time to fast. God, this year is your year, so therefore I deny myself physical nutrition that you may fill me with spiritual strength. First, I seek you. Eyes focused on Jesus. You never wander into righteousness. You never stumble into effectiveness. You never fall into bringing glory to God. How do you do it? With fixed purpose. My eyes are focused on the prize. Step by step, I'm not being distracted by the things of this world. I've got my eyes focused on Jesus. Fix your mind on what matters most. It doesn't happen accidentally. I'll show you something that I've been working on because what appears to be a strength in my life and is at times can actually be a great weakness. Um, I produce, I can be efficient with time, I get a lot done, I can drive people, inspire them, but oftentimes I do it at a cost both to me and to the people around me. So what I've done is I've created uh, four different win buckets, that's what I call them, W-I-N, and these are some buckets that remind me of a few things that are important that often get left aside. I did this um, a few weeks ago and I wanna just show it to you. This is actually making a real difference in my life. What I do is I've got these little wind buckets that remind me of things that are important and when I do something that fits into one of the buckets, I put a penny in it, which is just an indication of, hey, you actually won in an area that you often overlook. One of them is irrational generosity. I love to be strategically generous, but it's rare that I'm just like spontaneously generous. I've worked a long time to be financially strong. Why in the world would I not take far more opportunities to be irrationally generous? Hey, we're in a grocery store. I see that family obsessing about prices. Hey, let's just buy their groceries. Don't even know them, let's just be a blessing to them. Hey, it's the end of the year. God has blessed us massively. Let's give the biggest 
end-of-year offering we've ever given. I, I, I see a person who's waiting on me at a table. We can tell this person's a student. Let's give them an irrationally large tip. What do we just do? We just had a win, and guess what? I'm defining. This is important, and this is a way of symbolizing, reminding me this really matters. Uh, moment of spontaneity. You would not believe how boring and predictable my life is. Uh, spontaneity to me is the S word, okay? Living on the wild side for me, when I get crazy, I put four extra blueberries in my oatmeal in the morning. That's living on the edge for me. My, I, I, eat the, I eat the same thing 365 days a year for breakfast. I have three meals I choose from at lunch. You can set your clock by me. I work certain days. I leave at a certain time. I'm very, very predictable. Moment of spontaneity. I'm going to break the routine and invest in some relationships. For me, people over production. People over production. A few weeks ago, it was 2.30 on a Thursday. I looked it up. The movie we wanted to see played at 3.30, which is earlier than I ever leave. Amy, drop everything. We're going to the movie. First time in probably 15 years. I just broke the routine. Um, very close friend of mine, a pastor friend. We've got no time together. We needed time to encourage one another. I canceled the schedule, erased everything on my calendar, haven't done this in probably ever, hopped a flight and spent a day, moment of spontaneity. This is a win for me, people over production. Another thing for me is meaningful conversations, um, especially in the office time. I hope I'm not rude, but I am focused. I always joke with my staff, like, you guys talk to each other, and you walk so slow, <laughs> and you have meals together and weird stuff like that because I'm production, produce, produce, produce. And so what I'm doing now is I'm just stopping. I did between services. One of the band members needed to talk. Let's just stop. Let's just pray together for a little while. We were out to dinner uh, on a date night two nights ago, and we met Addison and her fiancé, Mark. They both came to Christ on the same week. And we put the food aside, and we talked for a long time. And Addison and Mark are getting married on January the 6th, but they're not going on their honeymoon until March because it's spring break for them. And we know all the details about their life, and there were tears, and there was a prayer, and the food got cold, and it was one of the most meaningful moments that we had because we stopped everything, and we had a very meaningful conversation. For me, resting can be difficult. When I'm off, I feel guilty. I feel like I should be doing something. I mean, even just productive around the house. And so Friday, we planned ahead of time. We do nothing. It's pajamas for half a day. It's date at the end of the day. It's Netflix and whatever else you do after you watch Netflix. <laughs> Pray together, spiritual stuff like that. Seek God in his word. Hold hands. Slow dance. Whatever you do after Netflix. And that is <laughs> a win. It's not accidental, it's intentional. Because every demonic force is trying to distract us. Ding, bing, look, this stuff. Martha, Martha, can you feel how much I love you? You're so freaked out about so many things that really don't matter that much. Only a few things are really important. Therefore, I'm going to distance the distractions. I'm going to focus 
on what's important. And then number three, everything in me, I'm going to listen to the voice of God. I'm going to listen to the voice of God. I love the imagery from Isaiah, verse 30, verse 21. It says, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left and your ears will hear a voice behind you. I love that imagery. Almost as if the spirit of God whispers, hey, wait, a minute, wait a minute, you could do that. That's good. Or you could choose something so much better. Let's walk in this way. Let's go that way. You see, when you seek God first, listen to me, you will hear him. He is a God who speaks. When he created the world, how did he do it? He spoke. He is a speaking God. If you've never heard from God, open up his word. He will always speak to you through his word. He'll speak to you through the voice of his spirit. If you have ears to hear, you will hear him. He'll speak to you through people. He might speak to you through a message. He could speak to you through a song. He'll speak to you through circumstances. If you have ears to hear, the voice behind you will say, choose this, walk in this way, be a blessing to this person, give something, take a moment and listen to them, take a moment and pray, stop what you're doing, people over production, love over judgment. You can make a difference in this world. Your life is too valuable. Your calling is too great, and your God is too good to be distracted by things that do not last. Listen to his voice. He'll redirect you and show you the way to walk in it. One of my favorite times of hearing a voice was years ago. I obsess about this uh, view we have in our house. When you come in, uh, it's a weird thing, I know. Don't judge me, you have your things. If I got up into your business, I'd know your weird things too. When you walk into my house, uh, you overlook the living room and there's these French doors with glass that overlooks my backyard. It's a, it's a very beautiful view when I come in. It calms me. The only problem is we have six kids. And so you know what's always on the glass? Handprints, all sizes and ages of handprints, all over the glass. I told Amy, surely there's a way. I, we'll make the kids clean it every day. Well, I'll pay for somebody. I don't care. I want those things clean. She said, you try. You go do it. So I cleaned one window. I cleaned the second one. By the time I got to the third, there were three handprints where I started. It's just a spiritual principle. I don't want handprints on my windows. And a little voice. I promise you I heard a little voice that said, embrace the handprints because one day they won't be there. And when they're not there, you will wish like crazy they'd be back. In other words, Craig, Craig, you're worried and upset about many stupid things. You're distracted by the things that do not matter. Tap, tap, scroll, scroll, look at me more, more. And there are really only a few things that matter. And you have the ability to choose. It's your choice. Feel it. Your life is valuable. Your calling is great, special. Your God is so good. Why would you waste your life on things that don't last? 
God, help us. Help us choose what's best. God, give us the power by your spirit to overcome all the demonic forces of distraction that we could one day hear that voice tell us, well done, my good and faithful servant. As you pray today and reflect in all of our churches, those of you who would say, Craig, I can be a little bit or maybe even a lot like you. I've got good intentions. I, I kind of can know what's important, but it's so hard to focus. God, help me to distance the distractions. God, help me to fight for what matters. God, help me to hear your voice. All of our churches, those who say, God, help me to focus on what matters most. Would you lift up your hands right now? Just lift them up high. All of our churches saying yes, almost as an act of worship or a declaration of war. God, I pray that you would give us the power by your spirit to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, God, in all that we do. First of the day, we seek you. First of the week, we gather to honor you. First of the increase, we worship you with the tithe. God, first of the year, we dedicate to you with the fast. We put you first, God, fixing our gaze on you with fixed purpose, God. We step toward your kingdom, toward your glory, toward making a difference in this world, ignoring all of life's distractions. God, I pray that your spirit would prompt us again and again and again and again and again when we're ready to binge watch, when we're ready to pick it up, when we're, ever, we're worried about what people think, God, just prompt us. We are loving you, God, and we're loving people. People over production. Relationships over image. Intimacy over stuff. God, help us to choose what is best, God. And we thank you that those choices can never be taken away from us. God, direct our steps. Give us the power to choose. As you keep praying today at all of our churches, some of you, you're about to make the best choice of your entire life. Be honest. You're not living a good spiritual story right now. So many of you, you'd have to acknowledge, maybe you grew up in church like I did, but you're not pursuing Jesus right now. You've been distracted. You may not be a church person at all, and you say, yep, there's no, there's no, there's no spiritual direction in my life, but something right now has got your attention. Something's drawing you. Something's piqued your interest. What is that? Let me just tell you what that is. That is the goodness and the grace of God. You will never be drawn by a presentation. I make a sermon that I give by fear, by guilt. What you will be drawn by is the loving kindness of God. Jesus looks on and says, Martha, 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 you're so freaked out. You're missing the point of what matters most, and maybe you can feel the Spirit of God crying out to you. Why is it? that we're so easily distracted. We're so easily distracted because we are bent away from God towards sin. We are born with a sinful nature. And this is why the grace of God is so powerful, why it draws, because we don't work our way to being good enough, but it's only by the goodness of God that he sent his son Jesus, who never ever sinned. Jesus was the lamb of God, perfect in every way. Jesus became the sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. The innocent one died in the place of our guilt. But on the third day, God raised him from the dead. After his death, he was risen. Why? Because God defeated death, hell, sin, and the grave. So whoever calls on the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus, 
you would be saved, you would be forgiven. Many of you know it, you've tried everything else. You've tried the hit, the drugs, the party, the material things, the people, the thrill, the vacation, the luxury, and you've come up empty. Why are you empty? Because you're trying to fill a spiritual void with a material thing. There is no material thing that will meet that spiritual need. Jesus is what you're looking for. He is the Son of God. He is here. He loves you. He will forgive you. He is life. He came that you may have life and life more abundantly. Do not be distracted by the lower things of this world. He is what you're looking for. All of our churches, those who say, I need him, I need his grace, I need his forgiveness. Today, I give my life to him. That's your prayer. Lift your hands high now. All over the place, lift them up and say yes. That's my prayer. Right back over there, God bless you. And over here in this section, praise God for you. Right back over here, lift them up high right here. So others of you today say yes. Right over here in this section, way back here toward the back, others today, call on his name, call on his name, call on his name. Church Online, you all click right below me. And guess what? We are family, and family prays together. Pray with those around you. Pray, Heavenly Father, forgive my sins. Change me. Make me new. Jesus, be my Savior. I put you first. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, so I could live for you, so I could follow you. My life is not mine. I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Church, would you celebrate big? Would you worship God? Would you honor and welcome those today in God's family? I just want to say thanks again for joining us here at Life Church. As always, it's our heart to help you take your next steps in your relationship with Christ. We have a great way for you to do that. It's simple to remember. It's life.church/next. There you'll be met with all kinds of resources to help you take that next step in your faith journey. Again, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.